Hello and welcome to the final episode of Two Woods Four Quarters, a Harlequins podcast for 2022. My name is Will and as always I'm sat here with my cousin Michael. Not really sure what day it is but we've got plenty to talk about regardless. Forgive us if it's old news by now but I'm sure we've all forgotten it. Mike, good Christmas, resting up well, feeling good? Yeah, good Christmas mate. Uh, nice to spend a couple of days at home um, down on the south coast. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's that horrific time of year where you know what the what day it is by number and not by actual day of the week. I've got I don't know what day it is. I don't know uh, either. Um, but yeah, all good. Nice few days at home. Um, plenty of sport. Um, loads of cricket on the TV. Um, good to have the Premier League back as well, actually, isn't it? Yeah, Boxing Day trip for me and Dad away to Southampton with the Albion oh. on on the twenty sixth. Are you a fantasy footballer? I'd forgotten about my fantasy team until. An hour before the game, so I quickly managed to adjust it all. I had a really good week. Goal scorers are uh, everywhere. I had one year of playing fantasy football in the COVID year, where there was nothing else to do other than watch football on TV, and that was my that was my final swan song on fantasy football. Played one, played one, 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 retired. (laughs) There's um, there's actually a rugby fantasy league, isn't there, for the Premiership? I haven't got involved with that yet. It's not really caught on for me, anyway. Um, but maybe we look at that for next year, and you can rekindle it. Happy to happy to remain uh, remain on top as as I bow out of the fact. Different sport fantasy, doesn't yeah. count. Different sport. <laughs> um, anyway, we've got lots to talk about. Jam packed agenda with lots of news. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, this is our final one of the year, so we're going to do a bit of a calendar year 2022 recap. Not one, but two Bristol Bears games to review. And then we look ahead to Northampton Saints on New Year's Day as we preview that clash. So we'll start with some Christmas crackers. Good time off. Mate, it was so nice. I finished so early as a teacher, especially because I work in the independent sector. So I've been off since the 9th. Um, I've, been, I'm, I've been at work for what feels like two months. Um, actually, it's only been about two and a half weeks. But yeah, it's been lovely. Like just taking a bit of time to do nothing. Mm. Watch loads of sport, still playing well, a couple of games of hockey were cancelled because of the frost and the horrible cold weather. But yeah, it's been lovely. A couple of days down at home, watching as much sport as you could possibly manage. I didn't get hugely invested in the World Cup. Um, it sort of ruined all my rugby plans. But other than that, it's been it's been a lovely little time. Thinking about trying to get back into a bit more golf in the new year, but trying to then manage that with the sort of financial prospect of an away day to Paris is a bit of a tricky one. So. That was going to be my uh, one of my questions for you, actually, about New Year's resolutions. But may- maybe I'll give you the entire episode to think of a few, and I'll ask you at the end. Okay. Um, mine's probably been the opposite, actually. I didn't finish until the 22nd or 23rd, but I was working across the World Cup, which obviously didn't finish till the 18th. So I've not really had a wind-down period. So I'm sat here now on the 28th after big game and everything, feeling like I've finally wound down, which is nice. nice. Gives me a a full week before I'm back in next. Um, Some news that's come out over the festive period. Danny Kerr, one more year. He re-signs. Thoughts? Well, first things first, I love The Greatest Showman as a film. It's It's a soundtrack I listen to quite a lot. Um, so enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, we, we've spoken about it quite a lot, haven't we? Um, the importance of Danny and, you know, the the, the the little bit of depth that we haven't got at the, the scrum-off position. So, yeah, a wonderful servant of the club. Is it time to rename the South Stand, the Danny Care Stand? Let us know what you think. I reckon it'd be class, the Danny Care Stand. <laughs> the Greatest Showman is actually probably one of the best karaoke performances I've ever seen live. At, um, a bar in Leeds when I was at Leeds Beckett University called the Skyrack. I don't know if anybody listening will know the Skyrack, but it was yeah, it was 
quite the performance from one of my mates. Acting and all really was scintillating stuff. You um, love karaoke more than anyone else. I love karaoke. Now. I actually live opposite a karaoke bar now as well, which is, <laughs> yeah, I've seen lots of nights in there. But yeah, Skyrack karaoke in Leeds. I hope it's still a thing because it was, it was amazing. And I was at Leeds Beckett at the time when Don Brandt and Northmore were, were terrorizing us. So Sunday night karaoke at Skyrack, greatest showman. As good as it got, really. Do you reckon that was a still place when Danny was in Leeds for the six Premiership appearances he had for them? Because I reckon, <laughs> I reckon even back uh, yeah, then. That's a good point, then. actually. Danny probably knows Sky at Karaoke very, very well. Um, I'm really pleased about him signing on. We've yeah. we've spoken about it till the cows come home. Everybody listening to us right now will know he's vital to our team. Without him, I don't think we get close to winning another Premiership. So he's a man that I think is good to have around at the moment. Seems like a new lease of life, and I don't want to disrespect him too much, but... When you when you have an old dog like him surrounded yeah. by young pups, it tends to give them a, a second lease of life, doesn't it? So it feels like that's almost what's happened with him. He seems to be enjoying his rugby more than ever at the moment. In fact, after the the Sharks trip, which was more than just a European away day, it was a, a week-long tour of, of team building and, and activities. He said to Laurie after that that it was one of the best trips he's ever done as a, as a Harlequin and... I think that's testament. It must have been around the time he was looking to put pen to paper if he hadn't already. So good to see him re-sign and stick around at least for another year. And um, speaking from a, a pessimistic point of view, at least it gives us another 12 months to find a, a nine. Well, it gives another 12 months to, to keep digging, doesn't it? Um, mm. But there's one in the pipeline now. Uh, we're still going to you know, really put time and effort into the um, increase of skill set for the likes of um, Lewis Schaltemer. Um, Scott Steele may be returned from injury at some point this season. You know, might change our minds on whether we recruit in that position or not. Who knows? But yeah, look, I think you're absolutely right about the sort of new lease of life. I think since Don Brandt and Marcus's, you know, rise to prominence in the Premiership, Danny has also then gone to another level with those three either side of him. And we, you know, we've said it, we've said it all the time. When they're all fit and when they're all playing and when they're all firing, that eight, nine, ten combo is still the best in the league. No, oh, no for sure. Sure. I think one nice thing as well, I don't want to digress too much, but one nice thing for players like Joe Marler and Danny Kerr is whilst they're top of the tree, they're the leaders of the pack, the captain is Alex Dombrandt, this 26-year-old yeah. number eight pushing for England and, and trying to get to a World Cup. And he's this hungry competitor that is setting the league alight. We bridge a different team with Dombrandt, but it must be nice for a leadership team like Marler and Kerr just to know that you've got these young players coming through and you don't have to be responsible for dragging the team into different ways of training and, and and turning up on every single match day because you've got them doing that anyway. And it must be nice just for them to rock up and play rugby and enjoy themselves. So yeah. testament to the young lads as well for stepping up. And that's no news either. What is some new, new news? New, new news. New, new news <laughs> is um, Shauna Brown has retired from rugby. And boy, did she go out in style before we get into any match day stuff, tell me a little bit about her because I think the thing that I will most remember her for is the interview that she gave after yeah. winning the Premier 15's title, which sort of sent shockwaves, not just through rugby, but it transcended sports a little bit and, and made its way into to other conversations and narratives about growing women's sport and, and having idols and, and, and being inclusive. And I think that was an amazing interview that she did that will certainly stick with me for a very long time. I think one of the really cool things about this week was when Sean's retirement was announced, or when she announced her retirement, you saw the players around the current Quinn side that have idolised her from even before they were in the setup. You know, 
people like Rosie Dobson in the front row. I saw put out a really cool thing about um, about Shauna. Ellie Kildun put something amazing out about Shauna. Sarah Beckett, who would have you know come into the side um, a few years ago when she was at Quinns, about how much of an inspiration and role model Shauna has been to them. Um, we were lucky enough to speak to her, you know, last season or the season before yeah. that. Um, End of the pod. Yeah, the way she's you know has transitioned from. Athletics, firefighting, into professional rugby. She's got a really um, cool story, hasn't she? Actually? Really cool story. And now she does loads of. She's a columnist at the BBC. Um, some of the yeah. columns that she writes on 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 there's really really interesting. Um, been to a, a World Cup. Um, you know, won almost everything there is to win. Um, an idol of the club, an idol of the game. It was an, an, an amazing send off for her, especially after the performance. And when Mike Boville announced her substitution on the 75th minute or was been in the ground stood on her feet massive cheer you could see the smile on her face when she came off and how pleased she was with not just the result the performance and just probably what marks a, a pretty cool career and then carried off the pitch by the entire team as well in Lionel Messi style all she was lacking was the Jules Romay trophy yeah just to no, sign that one off I saw her tweet this morning as well that she had a bar of chocolate and a bag of sweets for breakfast which is a pretty good sign of retirement <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited impressed. to see what she does next you know yeah, absolutely. No, she'll she'll be in the conversation, you know, around sport and rugby for a long time. Hopefully, as part of our club at some stage as well. Absolutely, hundred percent, for sure, for sure. Let's move on to the two thousand and twenty two review. Um, loads to talk about here. Twenty twenty two as a year feels to me like it's been a really good year for Harlequins, both on and off the field. I feel like we've developed a really strong playing squad. We've developed a whole host of young players. The North Stand has been redeveloped. We've introduced big summer kickoff. The Quinn's Pride fixture continues. And there's just a good feel-good factor around the club. Might not feel like it right now off the back of a defeat that we probably should have won. Yeah. But going into the new year, I genuinely think it could be a, another exceptional year for Harlequins. So fingers crossed for that. But I want to talk to you about some highlights from this year and, and just pick your brains and see what stands out for you. So our European form... In 2022, we managed to progress through the group stage. We had a last 16 thriller against Montpellier over two legs, which still sticks out so prominently in my mind as a feeling of pride and joy. And then this year, we've had a bit of a mixed bag, but I think we go into the the second part of our European campaign in confidence that we just need to get a result away at Paris. And then we probably should do a job on the Sharks at home. So I think we're confident of progressing through here as well. So give me your, your quick top line review of Europe in 2022 and, and how you feel that we can take that into 2023. Well, 2022 was the um, debut of my European trips. My first, well, my, my first European away day was this year. Now we keep saying 2022. Any uh any Australian cricket fans out there, Richie Benno, it's 2-2-2 two, two, two for two. So I'm going to try and not say that as much. But uh, yeah, the European away day in Montpellier was my first um, that happened this this calendar year. That was awesome. I had all the family that came down for the home leg as well. We ended up losing by you know, a point or whatever it was on aggregate. Yeah. Um, this that year, Joe Marchant try. That Joe Marchant try, exactly. Well, the rebirthing of this new European competition that since go to places like South Africa. Um, and yeah, we, we are looking at the minute, in a good spot after a big uh, win at Racing a couple of weeks back. We go into 23 with an away trip to Paris. And can we do a job on the Sharks at home? So excited for that. It is really exciting. Like If we win those two fixtures, we'll get another European comp, whether it's home, uh, another European game, I should say. So whether it's home or away, if it's away, we get another amazing trip, potentially. 
if it's at home, the club get another big match day to put on a show, build up some revenue, all that sort of yeah. stuff. European comp, hopefully we can progress through it. But yeah, definitely been a shining light of the season of this calendar year. In the last three or four years, we were playing predominantly in the Challenge Cup, um, not competing in Europe's top 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 echelons. Um, went to the second round or last sixteen, wherever it was last year, and hopefully we'll be there again this year. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? I think we felt disappointed in the end last year, but as our first outing in Europe as Premiership champions, I think going into the last 16 is satisfactory. I think I'd be pretty pleased with it. Um, I think we were mainly disappointed because we, we fell just short and had a real nice run into a potential final if we'd gone down that, that avenue, but unfortunately not to be. This year, so difficult for the Premiership teams, but I think we can go fairly deep again if we get a good couple of results. Racing are as good as gone at the moment, having lost their first two games. So I'd rule them out of progressing, which might benefit us in that return fixture in January. They also just took a hell of a pumping at home to Stade Francais. Don't know if you saw that. Racing are currently third in their league, which means that might be where they put all of their eggs. So that that bodes well for us. And then we fancy anyone at home, don't we? Yeah, 100%. Anyone at home. um, What would you be happy with? One step further, quarterfinal? Yeah, quarterfinal, I think would be amazing. I'd be very, very happy with the quarterfinal. I think... I'd be satisfied with another last 16 because I just think it's totally unrealistic to expect the Premiership teams to to compete as you get into the dying stages of the tournament. So I'd, I'd be happy with last 16 and then all eyes on the, the Premiership prize. No objections. He's nodding at me. No, I'm not right, yet, well, yeah. we'll move on. There's two more talking points. One is the, the domestic season in the Premiership for 2022. And then the next one is a bit of a player focus. So we'll start with the, the English Premiership. We finished third in the league table. And then a, a disappointing playoff defeat away at Saracens where it felt like we weren't really at our best. And I think that's probably what will frustrate us more than anything is that we, we probably could have shown a better account of ourselves. However, back-to-back playoffs, we were the only team to have done that in 2022. Saracens rejoining the league, Leicester coming from the depths of despair and Northampton squeezing in at the death as well. So good to have some consistency. Looking like we'll be there or thereabouts again. What's your premiership review for the calendar year 2022? I think that's the biggest thing. And you said it almost so spot on there. Just the slight disappointment of that semi-final away at Saracens. We didn't quite play at our best. And we played a very good side. Um, Our third trip to Saracens across the whole year that felt just like a punch in the stomach every time we went there. Mm. It just didn't quite pan out for us last year. Um, Which was disappointing because... It didn't feel quite like we had the magic of 21 because of where we came from. But then we were almost, you know, the hunter had become the hunted. And that's a, a bit of a new, that was a really new experience for for yeah. us as a club and a really new experience for the group of players that we've got. Um, we had some amazing days though last year. I mean, I'm like, I went to Gloucester in the first two or three days of the calendar year last year, beat them down there. Uh, London Irish was amazing at their place. Um Tried it. We had. I mean, we just had some brilliant days, didn't we? London Irish away was amazing. London Irish away was was amazing. That was almost, special. Almost every home game became a special event. It felt like we were going to, you know, be there or thereabouts again. And I think the main thing that Joe Marler highlighted in his interview away at Bath a couple of weeks ago is a home semi actually in this league is I think oh, yeah. more valuable than people give it credit. Oh for. yeah. We. Um, it's it's nice to have that confidence in yourselves that you can do a job anywhere, and you can do a job anywhere, but. We've just seen it this weekend. The bottom three teams beating the top three teams. Bristol at our own place. Um, so it just goes to show the competitiveness of the league. Get any advantage you can. Secure that home semi. 
Yeah. I think we're we're looking okay for that. We're we're there or thereabouts at the moment. Plenty of rugby still to be played. Plenty of big name players and talent to be coming back into our squad as well. So um I think we're we're pretty pleased of our our output in 2022 and, and have high hopes for 2023. On the women's side, again, a similar story. Managed to get playoff rugby again, which is a big success. Unfortunately, fell short in the semi-finals, which was disappointing. Similar to our men's side. But we're there or thereabouts again. Currently sitting third in the table, exactly yeah. like our men's side going into the new year. Lots and lots of incomings and outgoings. That seems to be the tale of the tape in Premier 15s at the moment is... I don't think there's a salary cap. They've just got some rules about having a certain amount of English qualified players, which Exeter seem to ignore with a whole host of US players. And then they just take the fine because it doesn't seem to be an issue for them. It's with our business, 2022. We've lost some big names, but we've signed some big names. None more so than in the news this week of Abby Dow. Yeah, massively pleased with the business. I think the, the shining light in, in the incomings of the last calendar year was Rosa Galligan. Just taken her game to a She's different awesome. level, yeah. got herself back in the England picture, went to a World Cup after being left out of the England setup for three years. Scored three a hat trick. Scored a hat trick. Player of the match this week. Yeah, just like another another stalwart, you know, second row performance. Ellie Kildun coming in has been incredible, just an absolute racehorse of a player, proper yeah. Ferrari. Yeah. Um the rise of Lucy Packer as well after Leanne Riley or Leanne Infant left last year. Um it's been important that hasn't it? Massively, she played very well again yesterday. We went away to the to the Stone X last year again um, in the scorching heat. I must say, it was so hot that day. It was one of the things that I remember most, and we didn't quite get the job done there. But again, we're in a good place. We've got some World Cup heroes that didn't quite get over the line in New Zealand, but we've got you know six as well, five or six silver medalists at a World Cup, as well as you know the incoming Abby Dow, which is a pretty amazing signing. Yeah, um, again, we're in a good place going into twenty twenty three. Good young talent coming through. We've got some, you know, international leaders and experience with Cornbra, Burford, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, even though Sean is leaving us, um, we're in a good spot. Yeah, agree. Couldn't agree more. Actually, we'll finish this segment off with a review of our players for 2022. Our player of the year was Caden Murley, but I, what I really want to focus on, and it's going to be quite tricky, but you've got to cast your mind back to this time last year. Where the hell were the likes of? George Head, Jack Musk, Finn Baxter, Hammond, Lennox, Oscar Beard. They were nowhere near the level they're performing at now. So I think in terms of player development, this year has been exceptional for almost creating that second generation of, of Quinns again and that second wave throughout the year of, of young academy players coming through. Just think about Finn Baxter against Racing in the European Cup. Unbelievable stint and Lennox filling in for arguably the most impossible person to fill in for Andre Esterhazen throughout the Autumn Nation series. A word on them. I think Hammond's probably had more appearances yeah. than, than any of that lot. I think the one that I've been most excited about, and I think it's maybe just the last two or three weeks that we're looking at, you know, just because it's so fresh in your memory, is Finn. Mm. Such a, a growing of age performance in a front row as a 20-year-old against Racing in the European Cup with... South African World Cup winners opposite him. Oh, it was unbelievable. Like, it was so, so, so good. Um, we, we talk about it quite a lot, that young stable of hookers we've got now, all fighting for shirts with Musk and Heads. George Hammond's coming into the second row in the absence of Steph being injured for a long period of time this season, losing Simo, losing Tiz. He's been exceptional, as well as the return of um, Dino Lamb, you know, through injury. He's been excellent. Played at six a little bit. I remember started at six in both of the European games against Montpellier from memory. 
Um, and it just seemed to work out. You know, Lennox had some moments of brilliance when he was filling in for Andre with the odd slip-up. But you expect that from a young player. We've known Oscar Beard's been quite good for a long time. And he's now sort of getting into that Luke Northmore phase where actually you think we've got a real player on our hands. Um, we're in a good spot, mate. And I think it's testament to what Laurie said in the uh, review at the end of the season. The academy is where we're taking the club. You know, having, I yeah. think he said, 60 70% of our current playing group coming out of that academy, it's working for us. And these are guys. I mean, you look at the look at the team we had yesterday. A lot of them are out there, and a lot of them have been out there in the last few weeks, few months. You know, across the season, across the last year. So we're in a really good place going forward with those young players. Oh, hundred percent. And if, if you look at yesterday, how nice would it have been to have had Joe Launchbury trying to fix that line out? My oh, word. <laughs> I don't think we can wait as long as until next season for him to arrive and fix it. That needs fixing urgently if we want to have any chance of of winning the Premiership title. Two more players I want to focus on before we move on to the Bristol Bears review aren't focusing on the younger players. One of them is young anyway, but Marcus Smith, we know what he's about. We know how good he is, but I feel like his England experience this year, solidifying his position in that team has really developed him as a leader. So a word on him as well. The second one is Danny Kerr getting back in the England mix. Okay. Not how he wanted it to go, but there's a new head coach in town. Now it looks like the preference going into a world cup will be to have a senior head at scrum half. Perhaps Ben Young has that list of target bias, but I wouldn't rule Danny out just yet. Marcus is just a, a marvel, isn't he? It's amazing how much we miss him. I think Tommy is. I think Tommy's excellent. I think he's really good. But Marcus is just a, a different level of player. Um, you know, the, the the excitement you get from watching him, the 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 composure for a young for a young guy who's now what is he 18, 19 appearances into his international career that period of international rugby in the autumn will stand him in some really good stead going into Six Nations. Obviously, we've got a new head coach. We're not sure how he'll be managed with Borthwick, etc., etc. So much conversation around that. But it's just exciting to see where he, where he can go. I'd love to see Alex Dombrandt, you know, really fighting for that number eight shirt going into Six Nations period. I'd love to see Caden get a run. Borthwick saw him score against the Bears. Yeah, and especially now with a new head coach, you know, there's a bit of an interesting chat about whether some of these guys who are going to France might still, you know, have a head have their heads in a swivel around England selection, Joe March and potentially um you know, we we we're, we're good mate. We we're, we're in a really good spot. Caden's the one I'm most excited about, I think in the last calendar year. We've known how good Marcus and and Domers have been for probably the last two or three years, but Caden's taken his game to another level in the last mm. 12 months. Just superb. The finish yesterday, highlighting it, you know, more than anything, scores tries for fun. Been in and around an England campaign now. Didn't get his chance, but he'll be absolutely chomping at the bit to try and get a test cap to his, under his name. Um, and hopefully he'll just keep doing what he's doing, scoring tries, being a superstar, playing in a, 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 the most exciting backline in the Premiership by far. So, yeah, really excited for all of them. Hopefully um, some good England stories to come out of those three or four lads in the future as well. Yeah, for sure. So I think overall, reviewing 2022, a decent European campaign, two good domestic campaigns, some exceptional player development and at international level, the Red Roses have been exceptional and some good outings for our for our men's players too. So I think I'd give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, 8 out of 10, I reckon. 8, eight out, out of 10. 10 is probably about 4. Throw in the off-field stuff as well. 8 out of I mean, 10 off, for sure. I mean, Off-field, off we're probably about a, we're, we're a 10 out of 10 almost every single 
on every yeah. single metric. So apart from the cues for beers. Well, just chuck, <laughs> chuck another couple of trophies on at the end of 23. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's why it's only eight out of 10. They just lacked a trophy each. Then it would have been a 10. Um, let's move on to Bristol Bears. Yeah. So very well documented. We won't dwell on it for long. It was in a different stadium to where we wanted it to be. Two games back to back. The pitch looked a little bit worse for wear, but we'll start with the one thirty kickoff. Harlequins women versus Bristol Bears women. Playoff clash. Third v fourth. Couldn't have gone any better, could it? It was an unbelievable performance. Um, I got in the ground. Um, I got in the ground nice and early. Um, got some food, got a beer, sat myself down, and we just dominated a team that was a league position higher than us from pretty much minute one. Yeah. Amy Cocaine scored a hat trick in the first half. I mean, that's no, that's not news. That's just what well, she does. Yeah, that and that just goes to show how good the driving more is, right? Unbelievable. Just, just, and it's been such a big weapon of ours for so long, and yeah. teams just can't seem to defend it. So long may that continue. Everywhere we defended well. I mean, I mean, <laughs> talk about uh, a contrast. That hooker and second row combination of Cocaine and Gallagher. I don't think there's a better one in the Premier 15s, is there? Not that springs to mind. No. no. Throw, throw in the likes of Jade Conkle Roberts at eight, um, mate. It was unbelievable, and obviously, you know, signing um, Bryony Clear as well, another international. In yeah, that, in that setup, she bagged a try, uh, bagged herself a try, went off with a bit of a HIA, but then came straight back yeah. on, which was great news. Um, I actually saw um, Bristol Bears women tweeted that it was Poppy Cleal that scored the try, which uh, oh, really? they, both, they both replied to in quite a humorous fashion. They must get sick of it, it must happen all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we that was def- definitely Bryony's try. Me and you don't have that problem, weirdly. People always remember which one's which. Because <laughs> you play hockey, mate. <laughs> yeah, um, so many big moments as well. I want to focus on the fact that this was televised on BT Sport because I think that's a really important thing. And they've obviously bought into the big game spectacle and, and that was a big factor within it. But they didn't throw it out when they realised it wasn't going to be at Twickenham Stadium. They kept it on. And it was a great game for for Quinns fans to watching. As a, as a neutral, do you think it was exciting enough? There was plenty of good tries and... I want to focus on one clip that BT actually put out on Twitter, which was the 50-22. Oh, my God. An unbelievable piece of skill to keep it infield from Scott for Kildun to then hoof it downfield and gain that 50-22, which we end up scoring from. I think hoof's a little bit hard. It's a perfectly <laughs> placed kick. Look at that from Emily Scott and Elu Kildun. Scott, skill of the highest order. And then a 50-22. Ball in and then Ellie Kildun, just the the awareness and the level of execution. You can see the, the desperation in Kira Bevan. She knows how important it was to try and keep that ball. Unbelievable skill. Reminded me of when Danny threw the ball back in for Marcus against Montpellier. That's right, that we were and just it, talking about, yeah. It, it wasn't even it wasn't even sort of a, a catch and throw sort of no look. Tapped it back perfectly into Ellie's hands and then just beautifully caresses this ball down the left-hand side, trickles into touch, and then we go and score from it. Yeah, unbelievable skill set. Um, and Ellie's try towards the end of the game as well, just the interchange of hands down that left-hand side with Izzy Mayhew involved as well. Some brilliant tries, you know, across the backs and the forwards, the driving ball, plus some hands. It was, it was a brilliant game. Um, and obviously, we came out on, on the right side of it. Bristol did score a couple of tries towards the end, um, but the game was won. Bonus point, nearly putting up 50 on the team that's... You know, a playoff place ahead of you was was a pretty yeah. pretty amazing performance. Well, as you say, the bonus point was actually secured before half time, forty eight fourteen. It finished, and that result leapfrogs us in the table. We move up to third on nineteen points, four points clear of Bristol Bears women in fourth. 
pretty happy going into the new year. Very happy. Very happy going into the new year, especially after what felt like a bit of a slow start given the World Cup. Um, only Teams only playing sort of four or five games to this stage. Only Well, we're the only side in the league that have played six up until now. Yeah. Um, felt, yeah, I just felt like a bit bit of a slow burner, um, the Premier 15s this year. But yeah, certainly off to the races now and looking forward to some more contests in the new year. Hopefully some more at the Stoop as well. I know there's a couple of games at the Stoop coming up in January and February, so that's great news. At that point in the day, it couldn't be going better for Harlequins, could it? Match atmosphere starting to build, people in the ground, a big bonus point win. And then it just seemed to come down with the rain. Yeah, As well, the rain yeah. started to fall, the pathetic <laughs> fallacy came with it. And um, I remember walking around the ground with that horrible rain to play rugby and having played in it many times before, just saying to my dad, got a bad feeling. This uh, this weather doesn't suit us. And then I saw that Ellis Genge was out of the game. Congratulations to him. The birth of his second child ruled him out. At that point, I'm thinking, wow, they've, they've got a front row without Genge or Sinclair. It would be catastrophic for us to lose this game now. And losing Sheedy as well, who was ill. And Sheedy, who was on... Everything was going against them, wasn't it? Everything was going against them. Um, But let's start off with some selection. Okay. Any surprises? Archie Um, White came in at six instead of Lorde was probably a surprise of some sort. But actually, when we think about it as a line-out option, you're missing Kenners, who goes up in the line-out. Archie White can fill that void and whilst he didn't necessarily fill the void and it wasn't him alone that was responsible for that, I think it was a good pick, no? Yeah. Um, not sure quite how I felt about it, um, given Webb and Lorde coming back into the fold a little bit. But Archie never lets you down, does he? Uh, we say almost every time he plays, never lets you down, especially when the international's away and he plays at eight. Doesn't often let you down. Had a good game. And, you know, you mentioned Tom Lorde, but we didn't have to wait long to see him, did we, after Webb was folded up inside 30 seconds um, getting his head caught on the right side hopefully that's not going to be too long but you know just the way the way you sort of fold it up it's just one of those things you sort of you, your fist starts to clench and you can sort of feel it almost but um, yeah. yeah hopefully it won't be too long I noticed they had some oxygen um, coming out just to sort of bring him back around I, I think did but, I didn't see that but he just yeah he came He's to the pitch his head on the wrong side of Rodrigo's thigh which is probably like a 10 ton truck yeah and you could just you could see the disappointment on his face when he came off as well which is the horrible thing you could see how sort of frustrated he was knowing that he goes well I've been waiting to play you know in this sort of game against Bristol and it was no yeah. I wasn't at the stoop and we've got well, he did play. that interview before the game didn't he saying how yeah, excited they were no. I know really, really disappointing actually really disappointing especially let's losing. um Let's dwell on that for a little bit longer, actually, because it was such an early incident, only 30 seconds into the game, and it really did feel like it It changed the the dynamic quite a lot because Bristol were down in our half. It seemed like they were camped down there for the first 20 minutes, which frustrated me quite a lot. Will Evans is a really important player for us in disrupting opposition, um, whether it be slowing down the ball at breakdowns or even pinching it, and, and certainly in defence with his, his tackling prowess. Yeah. Felt like he was a big loss, as good as Tom Lorde is off the bench. Probably more of a six than a seven. Felt like he he could have been a game changer. Absolutely, chopping people at their ankles was fun. Um, you know, the best jacker in the league, and teams are scared of running at you know loose shoulders, knowing that he's coming around the edge, looking to get his head over the ball and go and win it. Mm. Um, and even without Kenningham, who was sort of the other one that has probably. Um, obviously, you throw Andre into the mix. Obviously, you can't do that, you know, as as a as a sort of breakdown forward. But without both of them, you, you probably could. Well, you probably could, yeah. <laughs> but without without both of them, it is just an, as- an aspect of the game we probably lost 
you know, at various points of the game, especially when the ball's going to be on the floor a lot, given the conditions we could have really, yeah. we could have really done with with having Webb out there for the whole eighty minutes. But you know, fingers crossed, it won't, it won't be too bad. Yeah, well, that that currently puts him on the shelf, and if it is, uh, it looked a fairly bad concussion, then it certainly won't be a return next week against Northampton Saints, and that now leaves oh, it's us. Not even, with... It's not even next week, is it? It's been about three or four days. Well, exactly. Well, is that official? Is it? Oh, well, he won't be playing. No way. No, playing. well, I don't think he will either. But until it's official, you just don't know. But that currently leaves us without our two open sides, our two jacklers, and we saw Luke Wallace warming up in front of us before the game as a. Yeah. As a reserve, not a substitute. It's a similar cycle, isn't it, with our number sevens? There always seems to be a, a rotation of injuries between them. And I guess that's the nature of the beast playing a, a seven. But um, we need to rely on Luke Wallace again, I think. I think it's so pivotal for the way we play, just to disrupt opposition, but also give us that chaotic attack from almost counter-attacking rugby. And I think yeah. one thing I'll certainly miss about Will Evans is his discipline. He's He's unbelievably clean. It's very rare that when he goes in to put his head over the ball, he actually gets pinged. He yeah. doesn't often get. He doesn't often start dragging his hands and coming at the side. He doesn't often get. In, he doesn't often get himself in trouble there. So maybe we'll see. We maybe we'll see Luke Wallace. Who knows? But we'll miss that. I think we'll miss just, that. Just um, after that, that first seven or eight minutes of the game, just then felt a bit scrappy. But we were getting a bit of joy at scrum time, which was good. Um, and I've since rewatched the game, and the thirteenth minute came. And obviously, we're losing that big breakdown presence, losing that tackling presence. You think, well, we need to have someone that's going to step up in defence here. We need to start, you know, having you know chopping people at their ankles, getting the ball on the deck, trying to disrupt their attack. And Andre puts in a huge hit on Harry Thacker in in the thirteenth minute, and absolutely him in the pain. Recoloured his shirt. Um, that was a brilliant statement of intent from Andre, but I thought he was the standout player for Comfortably. us. Yeah, comfortably across the board throughout the game. I think he carried impeccably. I think that it might be for me as well. Got me off my feet. It was just yeah. I think it might be the best I've seen him play this year. Although he's been maybe he's probably hit the scoreboard more in terms of you know scoring and um, scored a couple of times against uh, the Sharks out of South Africa and yeah. obviously has played really well. But I think yesterday was like, to me his best game of the season so far, just in terms of impact oh, for sure. But I um I feel for him, you know, because he was monumental. He carried well. He supported well. He tackled like a behemoth. He buried okay. Thacker in the paint. And, and even Bedlow, his opposite number, take him off half got time. hooked off because he just couldn't <laughs> cope with Andre Esterhazen. But people will see that final inaccuracy right at the death is, is is marker of his performance. People will see that in the papers. People will read that on the socials. And he was just awesome. Um, so I do feel for him a little bit that that will be what he's remembered for in the game. But that's off to him. Excited to see what he does against the Saints. Just going on to the rest of the half now. Um, obviously, they scored in about the 15th minute, kicked the corner. They get a bit of an early shove on at the line out and Thacker scores. McGinty then slots it from the touchline. But then we started to then get a foothold in the game. We scored in the 20th minute, which in the conditions was a really, really, really excellent team try. Oh, unbelievable Some, try. Like, ruck speed was good. Quick ball. Andre punching holes. And Josh Bassett gets his first premiership try for the club um, in that southwest corner. Good finish it, as well. Really good finish. Did it a couple of times against the Sharks when South Africa as well. Just stepped in, then rode the tackle. Exactly that. Just not quite pinning his ears back and going to the corner, especially we saw it with um, Ibatoy and Danny, where you can always get them on the deck and obviously you know, the, the the water on the, on the surface carries them over. Just holds his body, just shapes inside, beats the tackler and dots down. Yeah. And we'll be starting to get a good little spell there, which probably lasted about 
10 minutes or so. I think that was our only good spell of the first half, right? I was I was very frustrated with how slow we, we began. And whilst they were the first to get the points on the board, I wasn't worried at that point. I expected us to grow into the game. And, and as you say, Bassett's try was br- just a brilliant example of fluidity and attacking threat in the worst conditions possible. Proper team try. But it just came much later than than I was comfortable with. It felt like it took us too long to get into the game. And then, as you say, that 10-minute period, we start to establish ourselves. And getting into sort of the, the latter stages of the half, we win a penalty. Danny puts a little push on Harry Thacker. The penalty gets reversed. All of a sudden, we've gone from a position where we're kicking to their five-meter line, hoping to get a try and go in 12-10 up. We go down the other end, concede a try, and we're going down 15-5 at halftime with a, a 10-point deficit. So it really is just the... The little factors within the game can can prove so consequential. Um, and I'm not putting it down to Danny at all. It was just one element of the game, but it just goes to show how small these things can be and, and how much of a large impact they can have. There was plenty of niggle in the game as well, wasn't there? And obviously in the last 24 hours, a few things have come out about you know Joe Marler and Jake Keenan. Um, we won't comment on it, obviously, because we don't know the facts, but obviously something was said that's caused a little bit of upset. There's been an apology online and all that sort of stuff. But you know, until we get the facts, we won't dwell on it too much. But yes, yeah, I think it's a shame that, isn't it? The, the whole incident's a great shame. I think there's no smoke without fire, so that there will be some kind of comment. And it's, it's a shame because our team and our fans seem to be quite disliked across the league these days. And I guess acts like that kind of evidence that um and don't help us at all but yeah as you say must caveat nothing's been proven yet and there are strong rumors um that we won't comment on until we've got the facts but yeah just a shame that as a 32 year old man just to make comments that have been rumored like that yeah a little bit it's just kind of elementary that's what you expect to hear in the playground or on a university rugby pitch as opposed to at the top level of the professional game with cameras and microphones everywhere so yeah, me, I think we'll we'll leave that one there, but disappointed to hear what, what might have been said. It was just more the fact of the timing of it, where we've gone from being starting to, you know, assert a bit of dominance, good bit of field position. And actually, I wasn't enormously impressed with Carl Dixon across the game, but I actually thought he dealt with those two incidents quite well. Um, watching it back, obviously, it's difficult to hear the conversations when you're, when you're in the ground. Um, but with 38 minutes on the clock, obviously, Danny gets his penalty reversed and, you know, Dixon sort of deals with it, you know, quite calmly and explains his decisions. It was more just the timing of it, where we just got a penalty, it gets reversed, Thacker, you know, almost lines up Don Brandt from from the side of the ruck and and sort of you know pins him in the ribs. But what happens after? They then go down to the corner and score right before half time. Mm. It's it's Gabriel Ibertoy as well, um, who was you know an old Harlequin has seemed to have got a bit of a new lease of life down in Bristol as well. Um, uh, just a quick word on him. I thought he was brilliant. I thought yeah. he played really well, and he he really thrived under the villain tag that he was given. He got a few boos, and people were getting stuck into him. And look, it didn't work out at Harlequins for whatever reason, and, and he wanted to leave, and and so be it. But um, nice to see him smiling. Did drop a couple of high balls as well, which was always good. But that's again, part he was of smiling condition. after that because we got, and of course, we got stuck into him of for that. Of course, we would. Um, but it's all part of the pantomime that rugby's starting to become. Um, a little bit too much booing which I didn't really enjoy and I hope we start to eradicate that a little bit from the stoop um, but the pantomime stuff like dropping a ball and then if he scores and gives one back fair play that's good good crack how are you feeling at half time then 15-5 because um, I, I put my foot a bit oh god you put your foot in it didn't you <laughs> we need an approvals chain for some of the tweets you put out mate my word 
Yeah. Uh, I, I I actually think you jinxed it to be honest. I was feeling I was feeling good at half time. I think a ten point swing was very, very doable, especially when you think about the history between the two sides. But um that ten point swing almost came about, as I say, rewind five minutes before half time and they get that try when we could have got that try. Those little moments within the game can happen very quickly. So I felt like we could quickly eradicate ten points. However, the conditions were miserable. We hadn't seen enough in the first half to fill me with a whole host of confidence. I was going off history. I was going off history that we're a second-half team. We tend to have Bristol's number. And we'd seen glimpses of some really good rugby with that team try and Andre just tearing them to pieces. Didn't really come to fruition. Having said that, we were the dominant team in that second 40. 100%. Do you want to know what the, the territory percentages were for the entire game? Quinn's had 70... I was about to say not really, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, Quinn's had 70% of the territory for the game. So Bears were in our half with 30% of the game, which yeah. is next to nothing. So it just goes to show how well they defended in that second 40 when we were all over them playing all the rugby down that half, just not quite getting the points. A few missed opportunities. <sighs> oh, so frustrating, wasn't it? And I, I rewatched the game this morning and... Oh, God, it's so frustrating. We almost lost that game by the width of two shoelaces. Danny's try in the corner, or Danny's no, not tries, it turned out to be toe-to-toe, just brushes the whitewash. The unbelievable tap-tackle, get all credit to AJ McGinty, an unbelievable bit of defending with the game, <laughs> the, the try line at his, at Andre's mercy. Um, horrible to watch. There loads of stuff going on in that second half. Um a couple of things I found interesting. 57 minutes is when Marla and Lowe came off for yeah. Baxter and Kerrid. Don't often see that. Ernie also came off in around the same sort of time. Don't see him coming off that often. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a sort of mix-up. We finished the game um, with our full pack consisting of Baxter, Walker, Kerrid, um, Matthews in the mix as well, um, Lord and Archie White. You know, there's plenty of guys who haven't played loads of rugby or you know without being harsh you wouldn't put in our strongest you know available at any given moment but we just felt like we were some we felt like we were going to score and we'd scored a brilliant try in the second half as well the the chip that Danny made um over to Caden across the pitch yeah another great try wasn't it unbelievable finish from Caden I actually groaned when he kicked that because earlier in the game or earlier yeah. in that half I should say he'd made a kick in behind because we seemed to have run out of ideas. We had lots of phase play and then nothing really came of it and we weren't breaking the line anymore and he tried to put a kick in behind and it came to nothing. So when he kicks that one again the second time, I'm groaning again thinking, oh, we've run out of ideas again. Lands straight in Caden's breadbasket, steps inside one, pushes himself and propels himself into the corner by fending off another player. Brilliant finish in front of Steve Borthwick, no? Oh, mate, just... Just what he does, isn't it? He just finishes tries. Think about the two or three unbelievable finishes he's had this year already. One against Northampton, yeah. that one last night. I've got a couple of questions for you, actually, because I had this conversation on the way back. And although it was about 11.45 and I'd had you know a few pints of London Pride in the Prince Blucher, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have. 12, 15, 75, 76, 77 minutes, whatever it is, we get a penalty and we go for the, cor- we go for the corner. Yeah. Should we take points and then have another crack? So my dad sat next to me, said, take the points. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, why would you take the points? Like we've been all, we've been all over them for the entire game. We're an attacking team. It's in our DNA. There's still plenty of time. 
And hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? You could easily say, take the points. We then get an extra point, two points to finish the game in the draw, but also give ourselves a chance of going and winning it. But look how things played out. We were a shoelace away from winning the game by Andre Estahazen try, which I didn't see at the time. I actually thought he scored it. It turns out a lot of people saying that Whiteley actually stripped him and then Tommy Allen puts it down so it could well have been a try. I don't know. It all happened so fast. It was an unbelievable tackle from AJ McGinty. Tackle of the season. But for that alone, I wouldn't have taken the points. Like It just goes to show we can score at any moment from any position on the pitch and we very nearly did. It just didn't work out on this occasion. Um, One thing I will contradict myself with is when it is terrible conditions like that, and you're struggling to score points. Exhibit A was sail sharks away. Yeah. We took some points off the tee and we were better for it. And Tom Lauday's interview after the game, which we'll play for you now, pretty much states that they need to get comfortable playing in a way that they don't necessarily like. We had our opportunities, we didn't convert. Um, not to blame the weather, but our attack didn't fire. It's greasy ball, greasy pitch out there. Um, but yeah, it's frustrating not to get the right side of the scoreboards. I think we played some some good rugby at times, but uh, but we weren't quite the races, which, which at the end of the day is a bit disappointing. When you came out in the warm-up and you saw the weather as it was, did that change the game plan at all, or were you planning for that? Um, no, some, it does it does change it slightly. You know, you, you, you want to play down their end, which we did a lot in the second half. We just couldn't get the ball over the line. Um, we kind of know that we got to tighten things up, um, probably kick a bit more. Um, play some play some rugby that perhaps we we don't like to do, but but we know that we have to sometimes. Um, but but yeah, at the end of the day, we just weren't weren't quite there. And for me, that is maybe sucking it up the jumper and knocking three over every now and then. He might be absolutely right, and this is the conversation I had with the chap on the bus. Um, who I'm sure is listening because he said he listened to the podcast. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but he actually agreed with me. I said, if we start kicking goals in that sort of 70-ish, 65th minute period. Maybe. But that's not what we train for. We don't train for those moments where we kick penalties. And if you then start kicking points, yes, I think maybe there are times where we can be potentially a tiny bit more pragmatic, like we saw with Sail Away. But then we go away from what we're so good at. You know, if I'm I'm in opposition at that stage, I think, especially playing against us, I think, oh, we've we've got them here, lads. They're taking points. They don't believe they can score anymore. We've got them. And you're absolutely right. We are. We so have are, we created our own downfall there? Maybe a little bit, but like you say, we're we are we are a fingernail away from from winning the game. And after the game, if if Andre goes over and scores that, we'll go. Aren't we good? How we're good still are... in the Robshaw bar now? Exactly. We, yeah. we're, we're all going. God, like we 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 stuck to our guns. We do all the right things. We do this. We do that. We never score know these when tries. We're we never yeah. know we're beating all that. That's the coin toss, the knife that we live on as, as Harlequins fans, you know. But I I I completely hold firm the fact that I don't believe we kick points there. I don't think we should because you then go away from all the principles that we've done well in the last two or three years and why we've been so good. And it's it's horrible because you then you lose a game like that where maybe we could have drawn or we might have had another crack. We could have kicked two penalties. But why? We were a fingernail away from winning the game and sometimes it just doesn't happen for you, that sport. So my conclusion from that is I, I wouldn't have changed a thing. But pragmatic is a word that you used there and it's a word that Tabai Matson also used in his interview. So I think we might see us taking three points on offer when it's a smart decision as opposed to we don't fancy ourselves. And we've got to start winning ugly. We did it against Racing. 
We've had been winning ugly. We have been doing that, haven't we? We've started to win those niggly games. Uh, we have, but we should have won more. Maybe. We should have won more. And if you want to be a champions team, you've got to win the ugly ones. Like, okay, we were we were overconfident coming into this one. We thought we were going to get a bonus point win against Bristol at home. Christmas fixture. Conditions didn't go in our favour. The, the proceedings on the pitch didn't go in our favour. But that's one we could have won. That's one that got away. I wouldn't have changed anything about the decision-making, but going forwards, I would like to think there's a little bit more consideration for, for taking three and going for points. Would you tap it and go a little bit more rather than kicking for the corner and going for the line-out? Well, that's how Danny got us on the front foot to set up Josh Bassett's try. We took a quick tap, got up to sort of the five, six, seven metres out and then throw it wide. So, yeah, can, we'd love to see more of that. How concerned are you, are you about the line-out? Oh, incredibly concerned. Like, we got away with it last season because it wasn't that bad and we had great strength elsewhere on the pitch. We still have that great strength, but we're missing a few leaders. Steph Louise, I think, if he was involved, I don't think it would have been as catastrophic as it was. And to throw to the back of the line-out in the dying minutes, in a game where we've barely hit a line-out at all, in drizzly, wet conditions, was just suicide. Hit the front man, they're down to 14 men, as you said to me, suck them in, create that space out wide, and then we go. Well, just secure the ball. Give yourselves a chance of scoring the try. Don't let them compete. Even throw one of those little underarm passes just to the first man. Just get the ball oh, in. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> throw it to Wilco, for yeah, goodness sake. Just keep it in our possession. Um, we'll throw it to It, does, it does escape Baxter me a little bit. It does feel... I don't want to criticise too hard or offend anybody, but it does feel a bit brainless. I'd love to know what the conversations are. Like, who is in that forward pack saying, hang on a minute, lads, look at the clock, look at our record in this game so far at the line-out. Is this really the best decision for us? I get the whole Quinn's DNA, take risks, get reward. Be pr- Maybe that's what Tabai means by being pragmatic. Let's not take the three. Let's just hit the front man in the line-out and then next job. Maybe it's just Danny not kicking that little dribbly kick through two phases too early maybe it's a couple of phases later when you've got a slightly you've got five I can't believe yards. his foot was in touch he must only have size five feet <laughs> <laughs> that's horrible no, I, know, <laughs> I know what you mean but no just it's it's tough and I think I think you know when Steph gets back to full fitness which we're hoping is going to be soon that even might... him at six would be and he, he might need to play six now with I think the injuries we've got in the back row but if he comes back and plays six it takes less toll on his body, I think, which is why he had a good run at six last season. It's another leader within the pack. It's our captain. And it's a line-out option Somebody well. to have a bit of composure and sort of absorb all the information around them before making a decision. And as you say, exactly, he is a line-out jumper. And he loves a line-out as well, doesn't he? He loves line-outs, yeah. We'll see. I, we, I think I think we, we we walk away from that just a bit disappointed at what could have been. We could have finished the, the calendar year in second. We could have beaten Bristol again, which is always enjoyable. Um, I think we take a little bit of consolation from the fact that Saracens and Sale lost. And actually, if we move on to... Is that not more disappointing, though, knowing they both lost and we could, we could have caught up uh, with it? Yes, it's disappointing, but I take consolation from it. At least we've not lost pace on the pack. At least we've stayed within touch. Um, but we look, we look ahead to this weekend's fixtures. We've got Saints on New Year's Day. Not an easy clash at all. We've got them away. I remember the Grayson penalty. The one at the death for them last season, which didn't feel like a penalty against Luke Wallace, I think it was. I think he was very, very unlucky. Northampton the 7th. Bit hit and miss, as they always are. 
not a contest I'm massively confident going into, but I think we will probably have the better of them across the board. Sale have got Leicester on Friday night, which is a very nice fixture for us. Sale are currently two points above us. Leicester are three points below us. So one of them will drop points. So we can take a bit of comfort from that. But what are your expectations going into Saints? How are you viewing selection? How are you viewing the performance? And I think you're going as well. What's your plan? Well, in terms of selection, I think this is why we were losing guys at much earlier stages of the game than we typically would do. Because we've got a really short turnaround. What are we? Now to 28th as we're recording this. We've got 29th, 30th, 31st. And then we're back in it in four days' time. So I can't imagine there'll be too much you know, contact training that goes on between now and then. Um, so the likes of Marla coming off and um, Wilco coming off and Ernie coming off, etc. That probably is, is exactly why. Um, I am going. I am... I've been looking at tickets all afternoon. I've had a bit of a chat with the Northampton Support Association on Twitter about where I'm going to sit. Um, if anyone is going to Franklin Gardens, drop us a tweet and let us know. Hopefully by the time this comes out um, and we can try and catch up. I might have bought a ticket by then. I'm not sure. Trying to work out the best option. Um, but in terms of the game, difficult, isn't it? Because I remember the one last year where we did we played well. There was a, it was a bit of a gunslinger for memory. Plenty of tries. Yeah. And then that Grayson kicks one at the end. Horrible um, conditions again, actually, similar to, to what we've just experienced. So maybe that will be a factor. It looks like it's going to rain for the next 10 days flat out. So maybe that's what Tabai means by a bit more of a pragmatic performance against Northampton. Well, that weather might keep me off the golf course, if anything. But anyway, I remember what we played them at home, didn't we? Um, round four, Sunday, 2nd of October. Another high-scoring contest, 35-29. That match where Caden danced on the touchline. So... They've been close games in the last two or three years. It's usually high scoring. Um, so that's probably what I'm expecting again. It'll be interesting to see how selection is managed, especially with such a short turnaround, especially with some busy periods coming up. European rugby ready to kick off again in the not-too-distant future. Um, a big battle at home the following week against Sale on the Sunday. So selection will be really interesting. Jack Walker played 80 minutes. Um, Danny, really? play, Danny played 80 minutes Tommy played 80 minutes Andre did, played 80 minutes Did he really minutes. play 80 minutes Jack Walker? Yeah Walker was eight, on, on for the full 80 yeah. That's absurd when you think about the line out struggles we had and you've got George Head sat and waiting ready to go And just the, the depth we have in that position you know, yeah. with people like that so that is, that is interesting yeah. um, We seem to be well we seem to be relatively healthy coming out of the game minus Minus Will Evans. Minus Will Evans. But we have got a bit of an injury list stacking up at the minute, which is a bit of a concern. I'd also um, slightly be concerned about disciplinary action that might mean Marla isn't might, involved. Yeah. But we do have Finn Baxter waiting in the ranks and then potentially Santi Garcia Bottom to come onto the bench. Or yeah. Simon Kerrid. Well, San- well, Kerrid will be replaced, um, backing up low as well yeah. on the tight head side. Well, he's... yeah, I don't know if they'd move him across. And... Well, we haven't got Collier to play on that tight head side, so you imagine it'll be Santi and Finn. Or Jordan, if... Jordan Ells, maybe he was on the Jordan Ells was a good bench, shout, yeah. yeah. Especially if, especially if any disciplinary stuff does befell Marla. We won't sort of dwell on it too long, but you know, the injury list currently sits from what we understand there's Marcus, Kenners, Northmore, Steph, um, Lewis Liner, Tyrone Green. Uh, Chisholm looks like he's back in training. Maybe we'll see him. Yeah. But yeah, my, my general expectation of the game is high scoring, uh, plenty of tries, and hopefully another win, especially after what is, let's face it, a really disappointing result um, on well, little, that little big game against Bristol. Northampton are seventh, won four, lost six. They're not that far behind, though. 
four points separates that middle sort of four four or five teams. It's not a huge sort of contrast in points, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it, mate. I am looking at sort of ways of getting there at the minute. We're looking at driving. Um, need to assess some parking. If anyone's got any uh, interesting places, they you know maybe go for a beer beforehand or someone get something good to do. So we'll probably try and get up there nice and early, given you know no trains and it'll be you know traffic on the road given it's New Year's Day. So anything you can help out with the journey or the places to go things to do in the ground that sort of stuff drop us a tweet drop us a dm on instagram drop us an email uh, let us know because obviously i'd be very interested to hear and hopefully have a good day yeah absolutely just on that injury list marcus smith was out on the hallowed stoop turf doing a bit of shuttle runs um apparently he's three weeks away from what i've read um, that's good isn't it? we'll see about that i think that will mean he just misses sale in the premiership but he could be in contention for fingers crossed mate rassing away come on this unleash is the, the magician unleash the magic man that's what it feels so long since we booked that and we're now only two weeks away yeah we need to sort out accommodation don't we oh god that was gonna be our job for that. today for anyone listening yeah. to this the moment we finish recording this we're probably gonna stand the call and go and look at some hotels yeah let's oh, get that dear. sorted in airbnb Let's see. Um, let's see what we can sort. But yes, fingers crossed. We get a January return for Marcus Smith. A bit painful that he comes back for a handful of games and then we lose him again to England. But yeah, it is. it's the nature of being so bloody good at rugby. Um, Steph Louise not far away. Again, probably. Well, at this point, it's going to be a January return, isn't it? It's not long left in December. <laughs> but um, hopefully, see him in January. As you mentioned, James Chisholm training in a yellow bib. Not sure what that means. Probably means don't touch me. I'm made of biscuits. Um, Tommy Allen also wears one of them, which is where I've got that theory from. Um, but maybe, just maybe, he'll be close. Luke Wallace warming up on the pitch as a reserve for the Bristol Bears game. So we'll probably see a little bit more of him in the fold. Um, and aside from that, Lewis Liner. God, I'm excited to see him play rugby again. I actually watched the Bristol Bull highlights in the build-up yeah. for this one where he was very, very good at rugby. Um, yeah. And he was also very, very good at rugby in the final. So I'm looking forward to seeing him be very, very good at rugby this season as we get into the new year. I'm looking we'll... forward to watching Harlequins be very good at rugby for this calendar year coming up as well. It's going to be brilliant. Law of Attraction, speak it into existence. Right, we'll wrap it up on that positive note. Thank you so much for listening. We hope 2022 has been a brilliant year for all of you. And we hope the next 12 months gives you everything that you wish for. Thanks for joining us every week. We're going to go bigger and better next year. Probably owe you a guest, don't we? So leave that with us. We'll make it happen. Rest up. Enjoy the New Year's. Happy New Year, everyone. Come on, you quins. 